Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eCampus News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in higher ed tech this month. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. On this episode, we once again explore what is far and away the biggest issue concerning higher ed IT folks, cybersecurity in all of its variety, from identity theft and ransomware to phishing and plain old fraud. Institutions are under constant bombardment, but not all is lost. There are techniques and strategies to keep the bad guys at bay. Let's dig in. First, Ben Cody, he's the Senior Vice President of Product Management at SailPoint, breaks down one aspect of network security, specifically regarding data protection and the identity of students on your campus. The article is called Identity Security Helps Higher Ed IT Pros Mitigate Risk, and it's up on the newsfeed at ecampusnews.com this month. Here's an excerpt. Even a small college is home to hundreds of students, while major universities might enroll tens of thousands. Those students submit medical records and financial aid forms, credit card info, social security numbers, a potential treasure trove for attackers, whether they plan to sell that data on the dark web or simply hold it for ransom. Unfortunately, many institutions lack the tools and knowledge to effectively protect themselves. With both the frequency and severity of identity-based attacks on the rise, colleges and universities need to understand their potential vulnerabilities and take the necessary steps to address them. He goes on, applying a least privileged model to identities, especially user identities, is essential for college and universities. This means that each identity should have only the privileges and entitlements it needs to fulfill its essential functions. For instance, every student needs access to the university email, but not every student needs access to business school or science lab resources. It's important for schools to model birthright entitlements like email, homework protocols, grading systems, and each of these with additional permissions that are defined by the classes they enroll in, which school their major falls within, their financial aid status, whether they live on campus and, and other factors. One aspect I always find interesting when experts write and discuss the best cyber defenses is when it comes to the human condition of protection and defense. Again, here's an excerpt. He writes, on the other end of the technology spectrum, basic cyber hygiene is important and should be encouraged at every level. For colleges and universities, that means strong password policies and frequent password changes. The use of a password manager can help. In fact, working with a password management provider to grant students free access to the service isn't a bad idea. Young people tend to reuse passwords across multiple accounts, which can result in a college's systems being compromised thanks to a password acquired in a completely unrelated breach. Multi-factor authentication, while not unbreakable, is another good way to make life harder on attackers, and sometimes that's all it takes. Another insightful piece posted this month was written by Mike Weissman. He's the vice president public sector at Pure Storage. It's called Growing Ransomware Threats Require Maximum Data Protection. Mike tackles the cyber threat elephant from a different angle. He writes, data protection is a vital component of the contemporary data center that encompasses multiple platforms and technologies. Efficiently delivering critical data and applications with blazing fast restores 
and enabling institutions to derive real value from their data. It also plays a critical role in risk mitigation, the continuity of teaching and learning, protecting institutional reputation, and student satisfaction. Many of the most advanced IT systems deploy integrated, hybrid, and multi-cloud architectures and upgraded legacy applications, including container-based applications. What institutions need now are simple, cost-effective solutions without disruption or downtime, and containers that allow institutions to create and deploy applications faster and more securely. He goes on to advise on what systematic strategies higher ed tech leaders can take to mitigate that risk and preserve IT integrity. Be sure to check it out. You know, both of these pieces this month reminded me of a conversation I had with Rivka Tadjer. Rivka is a cybersecurity consultant who works with a number of organizations, including the K-12 Security Information Exchange, that offers actual practical solutions to these issues. She focuses not only on K-12, but also on higher ed. And some of these suggestions that she has are, are as simple as common sense. Here's a snippet. Three most folks on the call here today find that training and awareness is the most time-consuming part of, of their job, right? Talk about how to address that. You talked about the deputizing, but in, in, in the course of deputizing, I mean, there's also just kind of a messaging. I know there are a few instances that I've, I've read about and talked with folks about where you're putting out false fishing experiments, right? Give us some details on some of the, the ways in which you can kind of raise that awareness. Well, I think raising awareness, and um, this might sound a little out tongue, but with an EDU email, I would limit what they're able to do with it. Yeah. And that's a whole different way of thinking, right? Because, you know, you can go buy Broadway tickets with your EDU, right? And your student ID card. And if you're in New York and go down Broadway, you're going to get extra discounts. And universities, and rightfully so, have been champions of this. You know, yeah. please use your studentness. But you know what? If a network administrator needs to say, you try and email someone out of this university with that email address, it simply won't send. <laughs> mm. I understand certain situations where you might need to do that. Right. Um, so I would limit what they're doing at first until the education is there right? Because there's yeah. so much that can go wrong. And there's so much more online buying, okay? The bookstores are selling everything now, okay? Bookstores are the heart and soul of universities or campus stores or whatever they've evolved into. And that's a backdoor. Um, it's a backdoor where it's not like the tuition portals that are protected, that have different layers of architecture that they've carefully and had time to daintily do, Okay. Everyone's on PayPal and everything. So now you have the entire e-commerce shopping cart world. Yep. Your campus. All yep. right. Because you, I'm buying everything from, you know, foam toppers for my dorm to the, um, you know, the excerpts of texts I need to whatever. Right. And the campus is, has an opportunity to make money from it. So there's the back door too. And then the entire health insurance system. Um, depending on whether you're in-state or out-state, there's so many open doors. So I would start by, until people are educated, that, that they're very limited in what they can do until they can demonstrate that they understand the responsibility. There's a lot of responsibility to have that EDU email. Yeah. And, um, and I start with the email because it's the most common thing. The professors have them and the students have them. 
And certain things they've already done. You cannot go into, if you're, act, if you're a student, usually in most universities now, you can't log into your student Zoom online class with your Gmail. It won't recognize you, it won't. So that's the good thing. So they've done the opt-in part, right? Where in order to participate in the university, you have to use your EDU, yeah. just like right now in most campuses of COVID, you know, in dorms, you can spend the night, but only if you're already a student, can you go to another dorm, right? You can't just come off the streets um, and infest the campus. And that mentality should be, go to cyber. Is that part of a new protocol then? I mean, is that something that should be just part of the student handbook where like these are the expectations, like a, a, a user this is agreement? recommended almost? best practice for me. Yeah. Um, because you need to contain your universe, right? Right. Um, that is something you can do on a network architecture without consulting anyone and just start doing it, right? So the, the, the thing that I feel for IT is that there's so many things and there's more every day, okay? That just to just stop the bleeding, right? Right, right. <laughs> and then form the education, okay? Right. Because nobody likes it, right? No, the students don't like it either. They don't want their stuff stolen. They don't wanna, you know, they go on GoFundMes now with their emails from their university, the, the most hacked, uh, you know, malware, you know, you know, and they, they're trying to do something good, right? What are they yep. doing? It's, it's whatever awareness day and they're trying to contribute. All yep. right. Okay. You'll be able to use your university ID when you look at the fund you want, and then you'll go to the website. There'll be a way to check whether it's a legitimate website and you don't donate through GoFundMe. You donate through the university website, which, you know, one of the clubs will host, right? right. Because you should be doing that anyway. If you want to listen to the full conversation, Go up into the webinar tab at eCampus News and search for how to make data safe and network sound for schools. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on eCampusNews.com for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the higher ed ed tech space. Remember, eCampus is always free and always trying to help innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eCampus News.